He's got too much pine tar. Sloppy jalopy. They were doing the uh, the Chris Davis fishing for it. Might be going to call George Brett out. Well, he yeah, is. He's, he's out. Yes, sir. Brett is out. Look at look at this. Brett is out. And he's steaming mad. He is out and having to be forcibly restrained from hitting plate umpire Jim McClellan. Too much potter. <laughs> Way too much potter. Welcome back to another episode of Too Much Pod Tar. I have another episode previewing uh, a, a division. Today we're going to be pre- previewing the AL East. I uh, got on one of my old co-workers from Primetime Sports Talk and now actually working together at Third Down Thursdays uh, over at with MJ Hurley and Bruce, Coach Bruce. So definitely exciting things going on there. Uh, we got We just had... All the draft stuff from that from those guys, Bruce and MJ both went to the draft, so we got a lot of content that way. But yeah, welcome to the show for the first time, Chris. Uh, I've never really got you on the show, but this now uh, we actually got you on. So exciting things! Yeah, what's up, Alex? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to kind of change gears a little bit from my usual football, hockey, a little bit of golf content, talk some baseball, talk some Blue Jays. Yeah, absolutely. And just before the show, we were talking a little bit about the WBC as well, uh, about Team Canada playing right now. Uh, recording this on Sunday, March 12th. So Team Canada is playing Great Britain right now. And just talked about how, uh, you know, Cal Quantrill got blown out for three runs in the first inning, didn't even make it out of the first inning. So, um, uh, like you said, the Team Canada's lineup is really solid. They got some guys like Tyler O'Neill, uh, and Freddie Freeman, Tor- Abraham Toro, but they're they're still waiting for guys, you know, for in their rotation and pitching staff. And I think I think they'll ha- like, especially since it's every four years, <clears throat> it's hard to kind of grow grow a team uh, when it's you know different guys every year. But I think they got the I get I think they have the makings of having a good team here and. Maybe for the next one, they'll have a, even, definitely a better team. So what are your thoughts on this Team Canada before we get into the AL East? Yeah, like we were talking about before, I look at their lineup, and I think they've got some guys, obviously. You mentioned Freddie Freeman, Abraham Toro. Otto Lopez is a really good young player. Dasani, uh, Dasan Brown played um, for the Canada junior team. Denzel Clark, obviously. Tyler O'Neill, but the pitching is not exactly where you want it to be to be a contender in this WBC against other teams like Dominican, Venezuela, United States, obviously, who have all-star lineups. Besides guys like Matt Brash, the pride of Kingston, Ontario, Seattle Mariners, who I think is going to be a good ball player one day, Mitch Bratt, Cal Quantrill obviously got blown up today, but he looks like he's going to be a good young player through the coming years. But I think as the Canada baseball pipeline kind of keeps developing and turning out players over the next few years. We could see this pitching staff for Team Canada and future WBCs turn into something a little more premier. But for now, it's it's just kind of okay at this point. Yeah, I agree. I'm definitely not going to be – I don't think they're going to be able to stick up with the, you know, the big beasts of the WBC, like you said, and not even being able to stick up, you know, kind of – it's only the first inning here as you watch this game, but – 
you know, giving up that many run, giving up three runs in the first inning against a team like Great Britain, who isn't, you know, the, one of the better teams and is, you know, offensively, they're not, they don't really have anything besides Trace Thompson, who broke out for the Dodgers last year. And then he came out and hit a home run to start off, off of Adam Wainwright against Team USA. That was an interesting start to that game. Uh, but other than him, there's not, they don't really have much. So it's, it's not really too promising for Team Canada to come out and allow that many, uh, you know, allow a big three spot in the first inning. So, yeah, obviously this is a game you would like to have as Team Canada because the road is only going to get tougher as you progress through this tournament. But mm-hmm. yeah, another guy too that we could talk about. It's also. It's effective, uh, you know. It's also relevant to the Blue Jays because another guy they have in their lineup is Otto Lopez, a Blue Jays prospect. Uh, he's an exciting guy to take a look at. He's up at the plate right now as I'm talking. So, what do you? How? What have you seen anything on him? You know, as he's you know went up up through the system. Yeah, obviously, I've heard uh, things about him. A good uh, young infielder, kind of in their system now. Obviously. He's been progressing through the minors, and I think they're really excited kind of about what he can be in his projections. So, Yeah, he's uh, – I think he's up there in the rankings as far as, you know, just overall MLB prospects, not even just the Blue Jays, but he's – I think he's up there. Like, in, I don't know if he's in the top 100, but he's pretty – I think he would be pretty close. I think he's ranked pretty high. As far like on a, on some of these like fan graphs pro, pro, prospects lists and stuff like that, I think it will be a good piece for their infield. I mean, they've had so many good infield prospects over the years. You know, with with guys Kevin <clears throat> mm-hmm. Biggio, Kevin Biggio. Uh, I, they're really excited about Aralvis Martinez. Obviously, they dealt. Uh, Jordan Groshans last year, but yeah, the Jays farm system is kind of, I would say one of the more underrated farms in the MLB, even after all of the uh, guys they sent out in trades, but yeah. Yeah. So let's get to some of the uh, AL East discussions. I was looking at the, the fan projections for, for the standings. And I've, I kind of feel like it's a little bit light because they have, the Yankees projected at 89 wins, you know, after coming off a season in which they had 99 wins. Blue Jays right behind them with 88, and the Rays at 86. Orioles at 80, under 500 for when, after they made the or after they almost made the playoffs last year. Yeah. Red Sox at 79, improving upon last year's record at seven. They had 78 wins. I don't, I don't agree with that because the Red Sox are terrible. They're not. I don't think they're going to improve. I think they're going to get worse this year, to be honest. And so I, I think they'll be under that. They're going to be, I think, well under that. I think it's going to be tough for them to even break 70 wins. And, you know, obviously it's different schedule this year too. Like with teams playing, you play everybody in in the majors instead of playing your division opponents 19 times. It'll be, thir- it'll be I think, 13 times instead. So it's going to be different. But I, I think the Yankees are going to be over that. They're getting to 90 wins. I think the Blue Jays have a chance, too, to get 90 wins. So some of these projections are are a little bit iffy. Uh, but Yeah, it feels like 
quickly on the Red Sox. They have the most kind of unknowns in the division. Yeah. I obviously look at the rotation, like Chris Sale coming back off injury, Corey Kluber, Nick Pavetta, Garrett Whitlock, and James Paxton. It's just not uh, one through five where you can compete with what the Yankee lineup is and what the Blue Jay lineup is at this point. No, definitely not. I mean, they have they have the pieces. They have some pieces, but they're just they. I don't think they're even compete with the Orioles because the Orioles up and coming team. They have a lot of good pieces, a lot of good young talent, and pro, and more prospects that are be coming up. So I think Red Sox will definitely be at the bottom, and I I don't know if it's going to be that close. To be honest with other teams, they just they're just so far behind. Yeah, they got their lineup's kind of a weird mix between older guys and younger prospects, and Story being out for an extended period of time obviously hurts them a lot. Right. Yeah, they they're gonna be hurt a lot, and as we see, Team Canada just tied the game. So, wow, wow, that was a quick turnaround. They got they got three runs in the first inning too. So, just going through now, uh, I'm going to start off with the Yankees, uh, talking about some of the moves that these teams made in the offseason. Uh, the Yankees basically made one big move besides Judge, you know, one bo- one big move outside of, you know, their current their team of 2022. They they kept the same team uh, besides getting also getting Carlos Rodon. Yep. You know, but. Now, as we saw, Rodon's going to be missing the earliest part of the season, missing at least one or two starts. Um, it's it's a huge loss to begin the year. Massive. He's going to be – he was going to be coming into the season as the number two behind Cole. So, yeah. it's definitely a huge loss. I mean, it's good to get out of the way now, though, because you don't want – this to happen, you know, towards the end of the season, it's better to do it now. As long as he can be, he can come back and be healthy for the rest of the year, then it's not bad because you're only missing. If it is ended up being only one or two starts, and that's that's nothing. That's something you can definitely get through and put guys in, like you know, Domingo Herman making some start starts yep. at the, end of the year. So they can, I think, they manage. It's and especially when you know it's. A long season, of course, so they're they're definitely managed, and it, but it's also tough because they have Montas, they have Frankie Montas being going to be out too, and they have, you know, not they have Severino to be the number three, Nestor Cortez Jr. probably number two or at the beginning of the season, but outside of those those guys, there's they don't really have anything else, any other pitchers that really you can really depend on. It's kind of an up in the air type of thing. Wait and see. Yeah, obviously, 162, so with Rodon, you just hope it's nothing lingering and he gets back healthy and only has to miss a couple starts. But like you said, Frankie Montes with the shoulder being, you know, out for a while is not exactly ideal for this rotation. But one through five, I think, if Rodon's healthy, Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino, and Domingo Armand can be a top 10, if not top five rotation in baseball easily. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like on paper, it's one of the best. I think it's up there in the top five. And yeah, like, you know, you always 
have to include like a team like the Mets that they always yeah. have a good rotation. The Braves have a good rotation. Now teams like that are always going to be up there. Brett Dodgers, of course, they no matter who they have is in their pitching in their rotation. The Dodgers are always there, but I think definitely on paper, like the Yankees have one of the best. And if the it's just a matter of if Rodon can end up being healthy, Severino can stay healthy for a whole year. Yeah, the storyline for me with this rotation, I think Severino's the biggest kind of boomer bust. What if? Because if he's healthy in a contract, he earned pitching well, he has the ability to be like dynamite. Oh yeah. And him as a number three or four is just insane. Because he's yeah. when he keeps when he first came up. He was he the Yankees really wanted him as the ace when he first because mm-hmm. they didn't have Cole yet, obviously. So he really was the ace and then he kind of just faded out because he had injuries. Yeah. Faded He's, out. Yeah. Ran into a couple like some arm problems. Yeah. Struggled in, you know, the playoffs that put that one wild card game he got blown up and so it's yeah, it's just a matter of if he can stay healthy. That's just yeah. And then you kind of look at Nestor Cortez and can he build off last season where he was one of, if not one of the best pitchers in baseball and keep that going into this season and kind of solidify that third spot or fourth spot rotation behind Cole and a healthy Rodon. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering too because, you know, it's last year was his first full season as a start, like a full-time starter. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what the Yankees do with the, his innings, if they're going to limit his innings at all. Are they going to let him loose more? Because you don't know what he's going to be able to do again when he's hasn't been he, – he really hasn't pitched that much. Like, before before last season, he wasn't a starter. Like, he kind of just broke out as a starter last year. He was – before that, he was kind of more of a journeyman type of guy. Yeah. And, you know, he was with the Yankees prior to that, and then he ended up getting – he got, he got put on waivers by the Yankees and then went to the Orioles, was kind of just looming around the minor leagues. And then uh, just something clicked. He all of a sudden flipped the switch. And it's just a matter of if he can keep that switch on, uh, just if he can keep it up. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of manage it. Obviously, we all, we've talked about how 162 is such a long season and a marathon, not a sprint, but also, too, the AL East is only going to get tougher next year as Baltimore is an exciting young team. We know what the Blue Jays lineup is. Mm-hmm. The Rays are always good. And even if Boston kind of fades out down the stretch, they still have a couple bats and their lineup or navigating this division is not going to be easy. Yeah, it's always one of the tougher divisions of baseball. And no matter who, who, no matter what the Red Sox are, whenever the Yankees and Red Sox play, the Red Sox play them extremely tough. And then I mean, I think that goes for any team, really. Any team in baseball plays the Yankees tough just because they're the Yankees. Everybody wants to beat the Yankees, so that's just how it is. But, it, you know, the Red Sox-Yankees is one of the be- best rivalries in sports. And, I I mean, I hate – I mean, I kind of – I hate the Red Sox so much, but I would actually rather them be better because it's better for baseball when the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry is at its best, like when they're both playing well. So, but even if they're bad, they're not. Their games against the Red Sox aren't going to be easy. It doesn't doesn't matter how bad the Red Sox are. 
or how bad the Yankees are on the other hand too, because there's been years where the Yankees were pretty bad and they still played the Red Sox tough. So yeah, it'll always be an instant classic, and whenever you're playing the Yankees, it's always a game that you get up for no matter what. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like the same thing in you know football. Patriot. That's like kind of like the Patriots for football. Anybody who plays the Patriots or plays teams that are like the Cowboys, you know, teams that a lot of like everybody except those fans hate. That's, those are the teams you just always always play your best. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to dive into this lineup quick? Oh yeah, Yankees lineup. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the things I w- wanted to bring up too is as far as the lineup. You know, Anthony, uh, Anthony Rizzo actually had something come up today uh, as we're recording, the day we're recording this with his uh, his back. I think it was his. Uh, Aaron Boone said something about how they yeah. pulled him from Frankie the back. Yeah. They pulled him from the 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 homestand, or or not the homestand, but the the road trip to Fort Myers, and yeah, he said cranky, cranky back. Well, I don't even know what the hell does that even mean, cranky back. Like maybe it just kind of flared up on him, and Boone said we'll just hold you out for time being. Hope it's nothing serious. Hope it's like it's not the start of something because the Yankees already have a couple injuries and it's it almost seems like it's been the same thing over and over again. The same every year they always run into these injuries and it's no I, the back thing too. It's another thing like with that's that's what Mike Trout has suffered with like he, or and he that's what he had last year. So it's the thing where you if you don't feel it's a hundred percent, you have to just make sure that it's right before they play him. So I think they're definitely doing the right thing here and holding them out because only spring training, you have to make sure you're hundred percent and for the regular season. So they don't want it, something worse to come up. Cause that's something else too, that Clayton Kershaw has suffered throughout his career with the back thing. So if that Rizzo's a big part, piece of the lineup too, because you know, he, he really is a great, you know, back, the kind of guy that back up Judge. He's he's a guy that should be right behind Judge in the lineup. So it's the guy you need in this lineup. You know, you got of course Stanton, and Stanton's another one where you kind you don't know what you're going to get because he's had in, a lot of injuries in the past, and he's also had a lot of struggles when he's he's he, he goes up and down. He's kind of he's a more <clears throat> I want to I don't want to say he is. Joey Gallo because he's not, but he's kind of like the same type of hitter as Joey Gallo, where he'll have these big, you know, he'll have this these incredible runs where he's just hitting massive home runs in like four or five games in a row, and then have these big lulls where he's not doing anything, striking out every every other at bat, and that's the type of hitter he is. He just he's a home run hitter and or a strikeout guy. He's he's not going to give you you know, 30 doubles a year. He's not going to, you know, hit singles much, but he he's an incredible power, power hitter. And it's just, you know, he's going to, you got, you have to take the, the bad times with the good times. So that's just how it, how it goes. But he's, he's a guy that you need in the lineup and hopefully he can stay healthy. And when he has those really good times, then 
that's huge because you know that you know he's hitting right up in the top of the lineup and him and judge really are great together in the lineup and him and having Rizzo there too DJ LeMahieu probably lead, I would say he'd probably I I even though as much I don't really like DJ LeMahieu leading off I I'd rather have him like more of a five hole hitter because yeah. he's he's I mean he's not he's not really a pure leadoff hitter I don't think he's not like I mean it used to be where you know Derek Jeter would always lead off but that type of hitter that contact type hitter would lead off but nowadays I think it's it, the game has changed so much that you have you kind of want to put more of a on base power hitter up in the line at the top of the lineup like you can even put judge at the top I think that's that works out when you have judge leading off but yeah, I think I've kind of seen uh just quickly, kind of see a shift towards not your typical contact speed hitters at the top of the lineup where teams are just trying to get their best two hitters, one, two, to try and get that extra at bat when the lineup flips late in the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to – I think it's better to have, you know, guys towards the bottom that are le- that more contact guys. Mm-hmm. And this judge I was, – what was I guess? Oh, I think – I don't really want the Yankees to lead a LeMay off, but I think that's just what they do. Like they just, they've been doing that the last few years. So it probably, they'll probably end up sticking with that. But I'd rather have, I'd rather have Judge lead off or maybe, some, or even actually probably someone like Rizzo would be a good leadoff hitter because he's a good on base percentage guy. He also hits, he hits home runs. So I think that's a good guy to have. But yeah, uh, guy's not really like, a huge swing and miss guy, a good contact hitter. And then you have Judge probably in the two hole. Yeah. Stanton hitting cleanup. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, cause I want to talk about how I, how I want the lineup to be and then also talk about how it probably will be. So here, I'll start out with how it probably end, will end up as. So it'll probably be DJ leading off and then Judge in the two hole. Rizzo at three, uh, Stanton cleaning up. Yeah. Um, let me think. And then, you know, I hate it so much, but probably Donaldson five because I don't, probably Donaldson five. But I don't want him to play at all, to be honest. Like, so, but I'll I'll talk about that when I go to my my lineup. The six, um, six. I'm trying to think now. Uh, what the hell? Talk to me about this Oswaldo Cabrera kid. I've seen a lot of smoke about what he can be for this Yankee team. Oh, he's incredible. I mean, he's just he he just plays with an unbelievable, you know, level. Like just he's always happy, he's always smiling, he's always willing to play wherever. He just has incredible energy to him. You know, he's hits he hit the ball really well too last year. He was Hitting home runs, he wasn't really known as much of a power hitter before that, but he came out and he broke out when he was with the. He ended up going. He was in AAA for most of the season, but then when they called him up, he just being able to play, you know, any position he was. The Yankees needed him to. He he didn't care where he played. He just wanted to be out there. He was like a little kid in little league playing. Like if you want me to play, he he would have been like if you wanted me to catch, I'll catch. Like that's the way he that's the way he is. He just doesn't care. He's as long as he's out there, he's he'll play anywhere. 
So he probably projects to be one of the three starting outfield spots on opening day, right? Uh, right now, I think it's – I think he's actually probably going to end up being more of a super utility type of player. Like, he, he'll he play outfield sometimes, but I don't think they're going to set him there for, like, for the whole season. They're not going to yeah. name him as the starter. Like, he maybe he'll – he might place uh, – he might play left field in for, for opening day, but then maybe move him off. But they also have, you know, somebody that I don't want on the team anymore, and some like Aaron Hicks. Oh. I don't understand what the fuck. Like, why can't you just get rid of him? He's he doesn't makes he makes ten million dollars a year, and he's still on the team, and he's he's really just stands there. He, he keeps making like I saw in spring training. Like I think today's game he. Another, made another play where he was just standing there. He watched the ball drop on the ground. Like, I don't know what this guy's doing. Like, and they're probably going to end up starting him on opening day. And yeah. having and having Cabrera on the bench or something. Yeah. Uh, Obviously a controversial figure in New York. A lot of hate. A lot of, uh, yeah. there's a lot of good, but tons of bad where... It's crazy how he keeps finding his way like into the lineup and back with the Yankees year after year. Yeah, it's I, I don't get it at all. And it's I'd probably say he will. I think Cabrera will start. I don't know where. I don't know what position he'll play, but I think he'll probably be the sixth six hole hitter. Yeah. And then Hicks will be the seventh hole at playing left. But I don't trying to think now though because where the hell was Cabrera, where would Cabrera even play if you have John if you have Donaldson and you have oh you gotta have to, I forgot about Glaber Glaber would be in there too playing second and then D, I don't know where you play DJ Taylor in this situation like it's just hard like they're giving they're doing this to themselves like they're playing like they have they have guys that are better suited for playing and they're gonna end up playing Donaldson and Hicks instead of playing you can play Cabrera at third, and then, or no, actually, no. You can play DJ at third and play Cabrera in in the outfield, and then bench both those guys that are just literally like you can play anyone else besides those two. I will. I don't even care who it is. You can play anyone else besides those two, and it'd be better off. Like, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it kind of feels like Boone has this fascination with. Donaldson and Hicks, where they keep finding themselves in the lineup. And like you said, playing over these young kids like Peraza or like even what Harrison Bader was for the Yankees last year, where kind of a spark. Yeah, he was a spark boy last year when he got, when they ended up coming back. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, I forgot about Bader. He's a, another guy that he's a solid, like, leadoff type of guy. Playing center field. And wait, what the hell? I didn't. I I did this whole projected lineup wrong because I forgot to even put Stanton in there. Oops. Yeah. So it's okay. I want to start over then. It's it'll probably be. Wait, no, I did put Stanton in there. Wait. Probably be leading off Lemayhew, right? Yeah, DJ leading off, Judge second. Yeah. And then yeah. Probably so, Rizzo third. Stanton third. clean up. Stanton clean up. And five. I want to say Donaldson in that five spot, third. Maybe actually probably Glaber. Maybe Glaber. Glaber five, Donaldson six, Hicks seventh, 
Oh, no, Oswald. Oswaldo Cabrera, eighth. And Hicks, eighth. Oh, wait, Oswaldo Cabrera, seventh. Uh, Hicks, eighth. And then, oh, oh wait. Vino, nine, catching? Vino, nine. Wait, I forgot about, who did I have shortstop? Who did I have playing shortstop? Well, it'd be Peraza or Tanafalefa. Yeah, hopefully. I'm hoping it's uh, Peraza. Yeah. I don't understand why you would, at this point, play IKF over over, uh, Peraza. Because last year they benched him in the playoffs after he made an error. They put Peraza in, and then Peraza, like, IKF was a stopgap, and now now the kids are ready. So put Peraza in. That shortstop, and I would want them to also boot uh, Donaldson out of there and put another one of their kids, Anthony Volpe. Yeah, he needs to be on the opening day roster. He needs to start on opening day. I've seen enough. He hit another home run today, so put him on the opening day roster. Start him at third over Donaldson, and also start Cabrera over Hicks in the outfield. And then it's kind of tough, though, because then you also have DJ, which you have to play either DJ or um, or Glaber at second. So one of those two. But maybe, uh, maybe if the Rizzo injury, if the Rizzo ends up being having a worse injury than anybody thinks, then he won't be there opening day. And then, then you can also play DJ at first. So. But, oh, what the hell? Bader, too. Bader. Yeah, they kind of have a lot of a lot of guys for only nine spots in the lineup. Yeah, it's a lot of guys, but then like they're gonna end up playing the guys that shouldn't be playing. <laughs> like, yeah, because they have you know I I that's the that's my hope is that Volpe gets on the opening day roster and starts, but I don't think it's gonna happen. Because we've this is the same story, like as last year with Peraza. Probably like Peraza didn't get up until September, and then he wasn't even playing when he did get up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just kind of like there's, I, there's just so many questions. Like there's not questions about the players themselves. Like the one, the good players, but those questions about what the actual, like what the team is going to do, like what they're, what, how they're going to put this lineup and who they're going to have in certain positions. Cause we all know that, like anybody who has eyes knows how bad Donaldson is at the plate. Like we all saw what he, how he horrible he was offensively last year. Like they always rave about his defense, but like who they ca- who cares about defense when you suck at hitting? You can't even hit the ball at all. Like maybe you get a fluke grand slam, walk off grand slam here and there, but that's like one in like seven hundred at bats. Yeah, and as a as a Jays fan, who kind of saw the tail end of his career in Toronto, and then obviously he goes to Minnesota. I kind of laugh when the Yankees. Got him, and uh, mm-hmm. just because he's he's on the back nine of his career, the bat I don't think is what it used to be. Obviously, he's still he's not a horrible hitter, but he's not 
not someone who I think deserves to be an everyday player in the lineup at this point. No. And same with Kiner Fluffa. He should be yeah. a, he should be a bench player too. Like a you can have him as a utility. He can come in and play short or third uh, in a pinch, but don't start him. Yeah, he obviously he felt like a stopgap when they signed him because when Jeter's gone and then the Aditi and they haven't been able to fill that shortstop position in New York. You hopefully um it's as Peraza can be kind of the future there, but Let's see. I'm looking at now. I'm looking at projected lineup from from a uh, Roto Champ. They have. Oh, I don't know what the hell they're do, thinking because they don't even have a beater in the lineup. They have Glaber leading off. Judge, yeah. Judge two, Rizzo three, Stanton four, Cabrera six, and then Donaldson, Hicks, Trevino, Peraza. Wait a minute. So, yeah, they have – instead of Bader, they have Hicks pl- starting. What the fuck? Why would they play – why would they play Hicks over Bader? Like, I understand if you're playing – I mean, I don't understand. But it would – the Yankees, it would be make more sense for the Yankees to – well, not I, – I don't want to even say it makes sense. But it it's the Yankees' kind of way of doing things to, if they were to start Hicks over Cabrera but not Hicks over Bader. Because Bayer's the guy you got last year in a trade that was like a spark plug, like we said. And then, well, I mean, Cabrera was too, but I mean, it doesn't make sense to start Hicks over either one. So at this point. Yeah, and a question I want to ask you is, obviously we know one through four, how this lineup's going to shake down. But mm-hmm. when you get into the bottom half of the Yankee lineup, You know, can they put up the run production and hit well enough where, let's say, Judge has the historic season last year, you know, breaks the AL home run record. What if there's a little bit of a regression there where he's still a great player, but instead he hits 35, 40 home runs instead of, you know, the 70-plus can the bottom half of the lineup adequately fill sort of that missing run production? I think it can if they actually put the players in the right like in the right spots. Like if they have if they have Cabrera there and they have Peraza, those two guys can definitely be you know spark plugs towards the bottom of the lineup. Yeah, and well, I like I like those two a lot. And it depends on what, like, if, if Trevino could be as good offensively as he was last year, too. Because he kind of had just a kind of a breakout season offensively. I mean, he's always been a great catcher, a defensive catcher. But he kind of came out of nowhere with the offense last year, made the all-star team. But I don't. I think there will be a little bit of regression from him offensively. But can he still provide at least something at the bottom of the lineup? Yeah, kind of always what Trevino never like, – he was never uh, an everyday player with Texas, right? I don't think so. No. And then, obviously, 11 bombs last year, 43 RBIs, hit 248. Yeah, you wonder if 
those numbers kind of creep down a little bit. But I agree with what you said about Peraza and uh, Cabrera filling as spark plugs in the bottom half of the lineup, and you hope that Bader can continue to be sort of another spark in the outfield where if Aaron Hicks continues to struggle, you can put Bader in and get a spark offensively. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. And <clears throat> looking at the bullpen too, they have they have a lot of good pieces uh, in the bullpen and but it's they do have they are going to start the year with some injuries for the bullpen too. Lou Trevino is going to be out um I think they have somebody else injured for for uh, at least the first part of the season. I can't remember who was yeah, out. Canley, Canley, right? Oh yeah, Canley was hurt. Yeah, yeah. He, they just brought him back too, and now he's hurt again. But uh, hopefully, he doesn't miss too much time because he's a big piece. He'll be a big arm in that in that bullpen. But they have other guys like you know Michael King, who's yeah. he's he really broke out in the as a bullpen piece, one of the top guys in the, that they relied on. And then you now Chapman is gone, so that's a that's a good that's like addition by subtraction because he's yeah. I always like whenever he came into a game I would just like I would almost turn the game off because I just knew how it was going to end yeah so right triceps or right biceps tendonitis for Tommy Canely so mark the third day of a 10-day throwing shutdown so you hope nothing serious there but yeah this always feels like kind of the bread and butter of the Yankees like this bullpen is nasty yeah, they have a lot of good arms. Like Michael King, that Jonathan Losania guy's like got great stuff too. And then I think this season, I'd love to get your thoughts about this. I think Clay Holmes is one of the best young relievers in baseball. And he's gonna turn into like one of the best closers in the game. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he had a little bit of a downturn at the end at the end of last year, but I think his 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 normal self is what he was the first half of the year. Like he was this the mo- he was the most dominant reliever in baseball. You know the first half before the All Star break and a little bit after that. Like he before he kind of fell off a little bit. I think it well I think the reason he fell off too a little bit because was because he was hurt. He was pitching hurt, and then he ended up going on the IL. So it's when he's healthy, he's going to be dominant and he's going to be able to be the like you said one of the most dominant closers in baseball or if not the most dominant and then they also uh they also have marinaccio uh wandy peralta greg weiser a couple solid arms you know that you know weiser and marinaccio came up from triple a last year and yeah were like they came in and and filled in for some of the injuries they had and they were they kind of didn't the Yankees didn't really miss a beat as far as a bullpen goes they were any 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 guy that they brought in was kind of just really solid yeah and it's so nice to have because if you have those five starters healthy you're going to win a lot of games with a bullpen like this where they're able to come in in the fifth sixth inning and shut it down for the final four. Yeah. 
Definitely. Well, let's. I'm gonna move on to Blue Jays now. Oh, yeah, Blue. They had a pretty solid off season. Brought in some good pieces. Brandon Belt, Belt, uh, Darton Varsho in that trade for the from the Diamondbacks. Kevin Kiermeyer, Chris Bassett. So some good pieces they have. Chris Bass is going to be a huge piece to their their rotation. You know they they've always had kind of they've always uh, the last couple of years at least bringing in a couple really strong arms and they've kind of, they just haven't really been able to put the pieces together in their rotation yet. But I think Bassett, you know, after last year with the Mets, but he's going to be huge there. I think he'll be able to be a an ace type of pitcher for them. Yeah, massive, like you said. I, I know they were really disappointed in Jose Barrios last year, obviously. Gave him the ball on opening day and had that really awful start and just never never kind of got it going for the rest of the year. And a guy who's been a really quality starting pitcher and upper echelon player in this league. But over the last couple of years, they've kind of tried to find – you know, depth pitchers in the rotation behind Manoa and Gosman. They brought in, obviously, Yusei Kikuchi. We know what that's been. The guy can't be trusted at this point to be given the ball once every five days. And then Hinjin Ryu has the arm problem last year where he's shut down with Tommy John. So you don't know what he's going to be. And they've got a lot of money invested in these guys where Barrios was given the largest contract, I think, in franchise history for a pitcher. Kikuchi makes 18 to $20 million a year. Like, they've invested a lot of money into this rotation where next year it's it's time to start seeing some tangible results where one through five, you hope Barrios comes back and he can give you quality starts once every five days. But behind... Manoa and Gosman, you need your three, four, five to be good enough so you can be a playoff team. Yeah, definitely. And this Blue Jays team, like, they'll be the the, the team that is going to be battling the Yankees the most in this division. And it's a matter of, you know, when these two teams face off, it's a matter of who can really keep the other offense down more. Is both of these offenses are really strong, a lot of power, and it's just whoever can limit the damage is most. That that's I think that's who's going to have the upper hand, uh, and the Blue Jays bullpen too is pretty strong though as well. They have Jordan Romano as the closer, yeah, and you know guys like Anthony Bass, Tim Mesa. They also brought in former Yankee Chad Green, who was. Always a pretty respectable arm for the Yankees. Had a little up and down, but he was most of the, from for the most part he was pretty solid. So good arm to bring in. And, and Adam yeah. Adam Simber, some other guys that they have. So. And they bring in uh, Swanson from Seattle. I think a focus for the Jays this off season was they've kind of always had a lot of the same types of pitchers in their bullpen. Where I think they wanted to get more swing and miss late in games. I think Swanson had one of the highest K rates for relievers in baseball last year. So that's a nice piece to have seventh or eighth inning to kind of bridge to 
Jordan Romano win the ninth. I I think Chad Green was a great signing where if he can get healthy again, it's just another quality arm to have late in games. And obviously you hope Bass and Simber can continue to be quality guys late in games too. And uh, another guy, Yimi Garcia had a pretty good season last year as uh, another late inning guy. Oh yeah, I forgot about Yimmy Garcia. He's what was he with the? He was with Miami in, mm-hmm. in 2021. Yeah, they brought him in a lot of. Uh, he was used as the setup man for a lot of the year, and he gave him a lot of really quality uh, outings. Yeah, 105 whip. Sixty-one innings, three ten ERA, like yeah, pretty good year. Yeah, pretty solid, definitely respectable. And um, yeah, I think that'll be the key is if they their pitching could come together and you know be able to keep up with the Yankees bats and be able to limit them and as dominant as the Yankees bullpen is too they have to be able to stick with them you know as far as you know if you get into a one nothing two one type of game you got to be able to keep the score there as you get into later innings and then you know if the Yankees are up to one and you limit the damage then you have the chance to you know have your big boppers come out and you know do their thing yeah the biggest question mark for me is like we talked about earlier what is three four five gonna look like behind your two horses in Manoa and Gosman obviously I think Bassett slides into the three but do you give Barrios another shot to bounce back after the dreadful season he had last year and slot him into that three hole in the rotation to start the year and put Bassett at the four already put Bassett in the three move Brios down to the fourth spot. And then the battle for the fifth starter, like Kikuchi, Ryu, do they go with a younger guy? I'm not sure. Yeah, it'll be something interesting to watch. And I think maybe they'll like get tried a couple of different things, maybe to begin the year, just, Early season, just see what goes, what happens. Maybe they'll give, like you said, Barrios another shot at, you know, show that you could, that you maybe could trust him and put the, you know, put the ball in his court uh, and see what he, what he does with it. You know, if he can't, if he ends up struggling and he can't do do anything that well, then, you know, move him down in the rotation. Yeah, I think it'll obviously be a quick hook to start the year where obviously he'll have a spot in the rotation come April. But if he really struggles early on, you know, what do Pete Walker and uh, the rest of John Schneider and the rest of the Jays staff do if he really struggles again? Yeah, it'll be interesting. And then, I like, even just in games, too, that he starts, like – It'll be they'll probably have a 
a, a short leash on him. Like if he starts to struggle in a game, they'll probably throw they'll take him out early. Yeah, for sure. Now let's go. Let's talk talk about this lineup a little bit. Obviously, pretty much this, almost this, like the same same guys, same main guys they have in the lineup, but they added like guys like I mentioned before, Brandon Belt and Dalton Varsho. So that's going to be huge for them. Yeah, like you said, I was a big fan of the Dalton Varsho acquisition. Obviously. It sucks losing Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. just based on how good they were at the plate. I think Teoscar won. Uh, do you win a silver slugger for outfielders? I think so, yeah. Yeah, 30 home run guy. But I think they wanted this offseason to get a little more contact hitters at the bottom of their lineup. Where you bring in a guy like Brandon Bell, who is a career obviously really good at getting on base, and I think they and Whit Merrifield, and I think they also wanted to upgrade this outfield a little bit. I think Farshow's obviously a better defender in left than Hernandez or Ludus Gurriel Jr. would be, and then you bring in Kevin Kiermeyer, who I think is going to open in center field, a guy who's one of, if not the best outfielders in the game with the glove. And it gives you the ability to kind of move George Springer to right field and give him some days on uh, DH or give him an off day off his feet on the bench where playing 162 in center field on turf, man, it's a grind. Like a guy who's battled injuries before the wear and tear on your body. So the Kiermaier acquisition was huge, I think just based on having the ability to patrol center in the Rogers Center. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a key for that for them, you know, and also bringing in um another for, uh, former Yankee they brought in Rob Brantley for kind of a third string type catcher. Yeah, catchers are really interesting battle on this roster because I think Danny Jansen is the better game caller and obviously the better defender behind the plate and I think in the ideal world just what I've read and what I've been hearing from the Jays is he's their guy and I think you saw that in the offseason when they moved off Gabby Moreno in that trade Yeah, but the thing is Kirk is so good with the bat and he's so tough to get out because he's so good at getting bad on ball or he's not an easy out. He doesn't strike out that often or he's almost, you can't bring him out of this lineup just based on how good he is with the bat. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of battle shakes, shakes out as the season plays on. Yeah. Is that, that's like an interesting thing because you know, bringing in Brandon Belt, they he'll probably be the the DH for the mo- most part. But if you want to have J- Jansen as your catcher, like putting Kirk at DH, definitely be a, a possibility. But it's just tough putting Belt in the field. He doesn't, he can't really play much in the field. And 
you know, you already have Vlad Jr. at, at playing first, so it's yeah. you can't really put him there. Yeah, I think Bell was just the veteran leadership, obviously, a guy who's been to the top of the mountain before with San Francisco. And I think in the ideal world, he does operate that DH spot, but he can give Vladdy Jr. a day off his feet at first base, too. If he stays healthy, he can play a little bit of first, obviously. Right. That's the Jays looking at that their team. Um, what do we think about the Rays? I don't. I don't really think they did much in the off season. Uh, very very quiet. Yeah, they. They're always a team that's like gonna be in it no matter what though. Oh, always always. So like they they put together like a. You know any kind of team they're gonna be they're still they're kind of like the. Like not the A's now, like this year, this year, last year, like the A's are terrible right now. But the A's when they're when they're at their best, they're always like in the hunt. They're always going to be in a playoff hunt. That's the Rays right now. They're Rays. No matter how their team is built, they're going to be in in kind in some kind of battle. Yeah, obviously a team that's so well coached and develops so well that. They're always going to be good on, like, always going to be around 80 to 90 wins, in my opinion. And we talked earlier about the Yankee rotation and really good rotations in baseball. This Rays rotation, I think, is going to be something. You got McLennan at the top, Drew Rasmussen probably two. They bring in Eflin as a middle, middle rotation guy. And then if Glasnow can get healthy again, like, it's a solid one through four. Yeah, and then you have also Shane Baz, who's out with an injury. Yep. So if he can get healthy. You know, and then you know, they are they always have a pretty strong bullpen and guys oh, that yeah. are kind of like swing, swing men. Like they have a – they always do the opener type thing. Like Yanni Torinos is a guy that goes between kind of starting and, bull, and pitching out of the bullpen. So it's – it's always solid, like you. And they have, I mean, they always have good, kind of top of the lineup guys. They, it's gonna mm-hmm. sing what happens at the bottom of the lineup. I mean, they have Yandy Diaz, who had a strong year. Wander Franco, of course, the you know young phenom shortstop. Rosarena's always good. Brandon Lau, and then you have Harold Ramirez at DH. Then you know there's a question of whether what what's gonna how how is Isaac Parada is gonna play you know Manuel Margot Christian Bethancourt is now their catcher uh, after they traded 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 for him last at last year's trade deadline and they also brought in Jose Siri from the Astros to play center so yeah. they have some solid pieces and I. I think the top of the lineup for sure, like one through four is going to be really strong. Yeah, a lot of solid pieces, a very uh, bat on ball based lineup, a few question marks like Brandon Lau, obviously the down season last year, battled injuries, but a guy who, if he's healthy, can give you 30, 35 home runs. The top of this lineup is very solid, like you said, but looking down at the bottom, it's 
There's a few a few question marks. Mm-hmm. And also, I've got like Taylor Walls. He was pretty good last year when he came up, and yeah, and they're high on uh, Josh Lowe too. Oh yeah, he's. I think he's suspected to be up this year too. Mm-hmm. And they also have uh, Francis Francisco Mejia that who they got in a trade from the Padres. Yeah, a couple years ago. A lot of good young kids. But it's. I think it really is, like I said, down to the Yankees and Blue Jays for the division. But yeah, you know, the, Rangers, like, the Rangers are going to be in there no matter what. Yeah, like they're going to. Yeah, I think they're going to take away like whoever. They're going to take some wins from the, both those teams, the Yankees and Blue Jays, and then that'll be that'll end up determining who ends up winning the division. Whoever whoever beats the Rays more is going to win the division. Yeah, they feel like they're going to be kind of a step behind the Jays and the Yankees just based on where they are as a team. But they'll always be the the stingy Rays where whenever you play them, they're not going to be an easy out. No. Seems like they always give the Yankees troubles. And then, like... Yeah, they'll... Do you think they hover around a playoff spot? I, I think so, yeah. I think they're... I think the AL is going to be like really like a battle, like an all out battle. Like every, oh, for sure. Almost every team is going to be in the wild card hunt, I think. Yeah. Because it's like the, the NL was like that a couple years, a few years ago, where every team was almost in the hunt, but then now it's kind of switched where the NL is top heavy and the AL is. Kind of more of just everybody in it, in the race, except for you know the Astros, who are just the class of the AL right now. Yeah, it feels like like you said, it's that Houston team who's the cream of the crop, and then you kind of get into Yankees, Jays, and then there's a lot of teams kind of hovering around the same spot in the standings yeah where it's gonna be a battle for sure yeah because you got you got like the al central is gonna be kind of just a meddling division again just i the Mm -hmm. wins like 86 games is gonna win the division yeah like what are the white Sox gonna be next year i think cleveland will be probably win it again but yeah, yeah, Cleveland's got a good team. They like they their their pitching is always so good, and they have they have a pretty solid lineup. And the Twins, yeah. Twins are be interesting because they brought back Correa, and they've got some other pieces like Pablo Lopez. But, yeah, and then uh, obviously look at I think the Mariners are going to be really good. Yeah, like what are what's Texas going to be? And then the Angels, maybe, like, they may... Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're a major question mark. Yeah. They're really, like, it's basically, in the AL, it's the Astros, a big gap, the Yankees, a little bit of a gap, the Blue Jays, and then a, yeah. 
and then a huge gap, and then everybody else, pretty much. Yeah. What do they have the raised win total set at again? Uh, let me see. I think it was 86. Two, two wins behind the Blue Jays. Are you thinking over or under that number? I'm going to say under and say. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they win maybe around 83 to 85. See, I was going to say right in that range too. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's tough. To, they won 80, actually won 86 last year. The thing so, is, you always say, we always say this about the Rays. We're like, this is the year where they're not going to be good. Good. And then they're always good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sucks. But I think, yeah, I'll go down, I guess, the list. I'll say Yankees are, I think the Yankees would be over. They they have them projected at 89, so I think they have at least 90. Yeah, they'll win 90. Blue Jays, 88, I think they're going to be over. I think they'll win 90. I think they're going to win 92. Rays, 86 under. Uh, Orioles, eight, they have them at 80. I'm going to say over. I think the Orioles might actually win more games than the Rays. Yeah, you want to dive into this Orioles team? Yeah, of course. Let's see. Um, so their, you know, their lineup is you know, they have a really lo- young lineup. Of course, Adley Rushman leading that charge. You know, the phenom catcher just took the lead by storm when he came up last year, and you know everybody, everybody kind of expected him to because he's just he was the top prospect in all of baseball. He was so highly touted. When he was drafted and then yeah but he's now he's here and he's the he's the future of the of this franchise and they have gunner henderson too that came up third at third base he'll be in the, right in the middle lineup anthony santander santander is still there too uh, he really had a strong year ryan mount mountcastle of course cedric mullins leading off too and now, another young guy, Kyle Stowers. You have Austin Hayes. They also brought in Adam Fraser as a DH to play second base. And then Jorge Mateo. They also got uh, James McCann for from the Met, from the Mets. Um, so he'll be a. I think he'll be a solid backup behind Rushman for a catcher. Yeah. Like they didn't. I don't. They didn't really have uh, much of a. Back, I don't think they really had much of a good backup for Rashman before that. But McCann was kind of a he didn't he wasn't good as a as a starter for the Mets, but I think as a backup he'll be pretty. He's a decent backup. Yeah. And they have you know Ramon Yuri, mm-hmm. Ryan McKenna, those kind of guys. Um, I know you know their rotation. Is going to be interesting too. They brought a couple guys in, like Kyle. They signed Kyle Gibson as a free agent and traded for Cole Irvin. Um, mm-hmm. They got Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez. So it's a. I think, I think it was important to bring in some veterans to help lead those younger guys, like Bradish, Kramer, and Rodriguez. Those are all fairly young players. And then Gibson's thirty-five, Irvin's twenty-nine. So. That's that was important for a guy for a young rotation like that. They need veterans to lead them, and I think those mm-hmm. are 
they're going to work out really well. Yeah, as a team, I'm pretty excited to watch. I think they're going to surprise a lot of teams across the MLB this year. Where if you look at that lineup, man, like Mullins is a really good player. Rushman's going to be a superstar in this league. Gunnar Henderson's really good. Santander is solid. I've always been a huge Mountcastle fan. Yeah. And then you get into the lower half of that lineup, and then Jorge Mateo hitting nine is guy who can get on base, swipe bags, cause a little bit of havoc out there. And looking at this rotation, like you said, I think it was really smart to bring in Gibson and Irwin. Where Creamer was solid last year, Grayson Rodriguez, I know, is generating a lot of hype throughout the MLB as a guy who's going to be up probably some point this season and has top-of-the-rotation stuff where I think it's still a rotation that will struggle a little bit throughout the year, but it's one that in the future, I think, with some of the guys they have projects to be better. Yeah, they have strong potential for sure. Like once they, you know, go through the ups and downs, I think they'll bounce back and be pretty solid. You know, Grace Rodriguez, Grayson Rodriguez was supposed to make his debut last year, but then he ended up getting hurt. So mm-hmm. it kind of stopped him. So I think just a matter of getting healthy for him, proving himself again, <clears throat> and then, you know, the stuff will show, show itself off. Uh, I, I think as a, you know, back-end type of guy to start his career is going to be big because mm-hmm. don't put too much pressure on him and just let him get the innings, get the work in, face major league hitters, and see what he can do with it, you know, especially on a team – Playing in this division, this tough division, Orioles, you know, they could, they were actually in the in the wild last year, but they're still rebuilding. They're not going to go out and go crazy and, you know, trade, make big trades at the deadline or anything like that. So, no, no. It's, it's a team that's just, it's kind of a wait and see, and they're just going to have to figure out what they have before they really do anything else. So, He's important for just get Rodriguez into games and see what he what he has. Yeah, I think the story of this season for the Orioles is going to be just get the kids in games, get them innings, get them at bats, get their young pitchers innings facing big league hitters. Where at the end of the year, if they start or middle until the end of the year, if they start winning games and you see the development and you can kind of see them trending towards something brighter for the future, it would be a good season for them. Yeah. What do you think, like, what would be a good win total for them this year? For them to be really excited about the future? What's their number set at? I think it was, let's see, 80. I want to say... I think they're going to go under that. Hmm. I would have them probably between 75 to 80 wins. 
Okay. What so, would you have on that? Um, we'll see. They won 83 last year. I think they'll fall a little bit from that. I think they played a little bit over what they yeah, what they should have last year. And they're, they're going to go through some struggles with their younger guys this year and kind of just wait, just trying to figure out what they have first. So I think I'm going to say – I think I'm just going to say 80. They'll, they'll stay right at that. Yeah, it's just hard for me to see them going above that number from last year where mm-hmm. you got to play the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Rays so much, and obviously – other quality teams in the AL, like the Astros, the Mariners, you know, Cleveland, where trying to add, like, these young kids to the lineup and expecting them to make the jump, that second-year leap, it's not easy. Like, mm-hmm. being a young hitter in the MLB, it's really tough, man. Yeah. So if they hit, like, let's say they hit a lull period where – the middle half of the year where Rushman or Henderson are really struggling at the plate or some of these young pitchers hit a dry spell where, you know, you're facing tough lineups and they give up some runs, they get knocked around a little bit. Like, it's not easy. No, yeah, exactly. This year, I think this year is just the learning phase for them, for sure. Absolutely. These, yeah, giving these guys at bats and just figuring out what they are, really trying to give them the the chance, you know, really to show them, prove themselves, and show what the what they what type of player they are. I think it's better it's better for prospects to instead of like playing in the minor leagues and AAA, if they're ready to come up in the to play in the majors, it's better to just call them up and not wait around and. All the service time stuff, uh, manipulation, and everything like it's stupid. Like, just if the player's ready, just call him up. Like, give him a chance to face major leaguers and show you what he, they have. And yeah, for sure. The especially, best, especially yeah. a team like this, like that's not going to be contending for anything like World Series wise or deep playoff runs. Like, they're. They, that's a team that you have to just give the, the prospects a shot. Yeah, baseball is such a repetition sport, right? The best way to develop and improve and kind of get to the next level is you just need live at-bats facing big league pitching. You're not going to get that in the minor leagues. It's just so different facing yeah, like big league arms. Absolutely. Do we even want to talk about the Red Sox? Yeah, let's do a little we'll dive in here to end off. All right. So Red Sox are what are they at? What's the win total? Seven seventy-nine. And like I, I think I said before, I think they're going under that. Yeah. Like seventy-five, maybe. But you know, they have <laughs> They have Chris Sale coming back, but you know you never know what's going to happen with him. He just never he can never stay healthy. So it's they have they have a pretty good lineup. You know Tristan Casas is going to be up be up in the major leagues, and 
Um, of course, Devers, they signed Justin Turner. They got Yosh- Yoshida from Japan. Mm. And still got Verdugo there, of course. And they also signed Adam Duvall for the outfield. Reese McGuire at catcher. They have Kristen Arroyo, Bob- Bobby Dahlbeck, guys like that. But... I don't know what this rotation is. I mean, they signed Corey Kluber, but Corey Kluber is not Corey Kluber of the no, soft, no. Soft version of him. And they have him as basically their top starter besides Sale. So they have, you know, Nick Pavetta, Tanner Howard, Cutter Crawford. Like these are just kind of in the middle, middle of the line type of guys, just kind of all middle. They have all basically a middle rotation guys, back end rotation guys. And, not really any aces. I mean, Chris Sale his could be an ace, but if he can't stay healthy, then it doesn't matter. So I just, I don't trust their pitching at all. No, they have their biggest one of their bigger acquisitions was getting Kenley Jansen for them to cl- for their closer, and he's yeah. I mean he's iffy too. They got well, they did bring Chris. They get to get Chris Martin too, but. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't see th- any, I don't see any reason to trust them. My thought on first the rotation is, what is this rotation gonna look like when the end of June rolls around, start of July, where these guys have all logged like significant innings? When you look at Sale, a guy who's had significant arm problems the last few years of his career, Corey Kluber, another guy that's battled injuries and is not. Once what he used to be, where he was dominant, 20 wins every year. I think Nick Pavetta's solid. Obviously, shout out. I think he's from BC. Go Canada. Uh, James Paxton, another Canadian, but another guy who's battled arm problems where, you know, if guys start going down injuries or the missing starts, this Red Sox team could really struggle. And then, you look at some of the guys they lost in the offseason, like Sander Bogart's one of the heart and souls of their team out there at shortstop every day. J.D. Martinez, I think, signed with the Dodgers, right? Yeah. Another quality bat in that lineup. You know, you lose Eric Hosmer at first. It's a solid lineup. It's a lineup, I think can do some damage. Obviously, you have Devers, who's a superstar in this league. Justin Turner's a good bat. I've heard a lot about this Yoshida guy, where he can be another quality middle-of-the-lineup guy. But I think, like you said, it's a team that's going to struggle mightily at points. And I would put them under their win total, too, where low 70s feels like a realistic number. Yeah. Yeah, I just think like even as much as even if their offense is really strong, like I when you go when you run to the better pitching staffs, yeah, in the American League and in, like in this division and in the whole American League, it's going to be tough to score, you know, a bunch of runs and then when your pitching staff blows up, then it's not going to be good. So yeah, I look at I look at the bottom half of the lineup where let's say you go like Devers, Turner, Yoshida, and Verdugo in the middle of that lineup. Like the projection I look at now is Kike Hernandez, 
inning six, Adam Duvall seven, Reese McGuire eight, and Christian Arroyo nine. Mm. Yeah. Where after the top of the lineup, where you get into the bottom half, you know, where's the run production coming from? You know, can they turn the lineup over and get on base? Like, I, I don't know. It just feels like a lot of question marks. Yeah. I mean, Reese McGuire knows how to jack one out for sure. <laughs> Good one. Uh, I that was just so funny, that whole thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. What did they what did they send to the Blue Jays for that trade? I forget. I forget the Reese McGuire trade here. I'll look it up quick. I don't remember. I know they, it was like one player, I think, that was they sent in return. Zach Collins, I remember. Oh, Zach Collins, that's right. Yeah. Collins was with the Jays last year. Yeah. It was kind of like a, a nothing for nothing trade, just a swap. Yeah, basically. They also brought in Jorge Alfaro for the catcher, like for the for their other catcher, but he's he's uh I think he was just a a minor league deal because mm-hmm. he was li- he's listed as a non he's, he was a non roster invite for the to spring training. So. Another guy I wonder about is Bobby Dahlbeck. Yeah. Kind of a guy where I think they think he can be a really, really good player for them in this league. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't he didn't he struggle last year? Yeah, I think they he really did struggle because that's why they kind of brought up uh, Cassis and then put they took out I mean they started Cassis over Dahlbeck because Dahlbeck was just not providing anything. Yeah, he only hit. Yeah, two fifteen last year. Yeah, two eighty three on base. Yeah, he had home runs. He had a negative point one WAR. Yeah, not great after the year before. Twenty five bombs, two forty, and a two ninety eight on base. So kind of a pretty big regression year to year. It's not yeah. something you want to see if you're a fan of the Red Sox. No. Yeah, I think I remember correctly when he came up. Like he was like, he was like on fire to begin his career, his major league career. But yeah, even the year before, two sixty three, twenty three games, eight bombs, sixteen RBIs, and a three fifty nine on base. Yeah. You know, you're kind of expecting that third-year leap in 2022, and it never really comes. It's not great. Yeah. I think that's why they're moving forward with with uh, with Casas. Like, he was yeah. he was more highly touted as a prospect, too. So, mm-hmm. now that he's ready, he's, he's going to be sticking there at first. But I... Again, like we said, with the with the Orioles, young guys like he'll he'll be another he'll be a guy that struggles at times, and you have to be patient and just see what they have, what he has. Yeah, the Red Sox are in a really weird spot. Yeah, that like was I said, yeah. 
Sorry, I was I was even talking to Jack, and he was like, I was asking him if he wanted to come on the pod, and he was just like, I'm not even interested in the Reds. I'm like, I've never been this disinterested in the Red Sox. Yeah, right when they brought in that new ownership group, and you know, they let bats go. Bogarts gets that huge deal in with the Padres, where once a team that was one of the elite teams in the ALs kind of in a really weird spot at this point where, like I said before, it's a lineup that's half veteran guys and half, you know, really young guys, where it's just sort of a weird mix. Yeah. I think what's going to be key, like next year, they're going to end up getting their top prospect up when Marcelo Meyer plays short up. So if they can build – get more of other pieces and build around him, like build around, build around him and Devers, especially since now, at least they were able to extend Devers to get him locked up. So have him have a left side of the infield of Devers and Meyer for years. It would be, would be the best thing they could do. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, like I said, with the bullpen, too, like those, I don't trust the bullpen at all. Jansen, there's nothing to write home about, to be honest. Like, he... Yeah, not at this point in his career. No. And then Chris Martin, I mean, he's a little, he's definitely, a, I think, a good... He's a solid guy to bring in. But do you have guys like John Schreiber, Ryan Brazier, you, all, you never know what you're getting with him, Richard Blyer, Caleb Ort, Josh Winkowski. I mean, it's nothing special here in this bullpen. Didn't um, they uh, try Tanner Houck as a reliever for the majority of last year? Yeah, it sounds familiar. I don't know. I think they used him in the back half of the rotation. But like you said, this bullpen looks like it's going to be on fumes for most of the year. Yeah. I feel like, like even when you said too before, with the whether starters are going to end up, you know, throwing a lot of innings, they're going to end up like I, I think that definitely happened with this way because they want to get more innings out of the, they try to get as many innings as possible out of their starters because they don't want to go to the bullpen. I know. It's going to be like, let's say, Sailor Kluber's hurt, and you got to rely on. You know, younger guys to make spot starts with this bullpen and not being great could get a lot of wear and tear on it in the middle parts of the year. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be bad. To be honest, to be honest <coughs> excuse me, I think they, they might even contend for getting the first pick. They, I think they might be that bad. It feels like if it goes south, it could go south in a hurry. Where July, start of August rolls around, they're like way out of it. Where they're fighting for that first overall pick, like you said. Yeah. I mean, uh, 
Reds, Reds are going to be bad again. Pirates will be bad. It'll be bad. Nationals will be bad. Detroit's going to be horrible. Yeah, uh, but... I think the Red Sox will be right there with those teams. Yeah, so just quick, give me your... Give me a rundown of how you see the division shaking out. That's yeah. All right, I'm going to go Yankees, Blue Jays, Orioles, Rays, Red Sox. And then I think Blue yeah, Blue Jays get the first wild card. And then the other like there's a Oh wait, how many? I think there's yeah, there's three wild cards now. Three wild cards. I think actually the Orioles. I'm gonna no wait. Am I saying the Orioles? Yeah. I think the Orioles win 80 games and they end up being more, better than the Rays. Rays finish under 500. Hot take of the day. So. I like it. I'm gonna go Yankees, Jays, and then I'll flip flop. Rays, Orioles, Red Sox, Jays first wild card. I think the Rays grab one of the wild card spots, and I think the Orioles just miss. Interesting. Well, I think the it's tough with the AL because you know there's a lot of teams that could be in the mix, but then you just don't. Don't know what they're gonna be. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of projecting feels like in the AL. Well, I definitely think the Mariners would be one of the wild cards. So, oh, hundred percent. I think I'm gonna say it'll be if I'm talking about all the whole AL, it'll be Yankees winning the AL East, and then Guardians winning the AL Central again. Yeah. Astros, of course, the West, and then the wild card. The three wild cards are Blue Jays. White Sox and Mariners. Yeah, I think Yankees AL East, Guardians in the Central, Astros West, and then Jays, Mariners. I don't know who grabs that last. Uh, Jays, Mariners, Rays? Yeah. It'll be interesting. What happens with the White Sox, Twins? You know, what happens with? Do the Angels have anything? Do they? And then Rangers maybe being in the hunt. Twin, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. A lot of question marks. All right, that was uh, AL East. Our preview for that, and like I mentioned at the start, at the top of the show, we have stuff with the third down Thursdays coming out. Um, you know, the draft just, or the, yeah, the combine just ending last week or so we have, you know, the NFL draft coming up very shortly. So we have stuff on that. coming up. I think you, are you going to have anything for the draft or. Yeah, obviously keep it locked to third down Thursdays. The boys are. Mm-hmm. In grind mode right now as we uh the new NFL league year starting here on Wednesday and then as we inch closer to the draft I'll have a lot of uh a lot of stuff coming out as we dive into these prospects and team mocks and stuff but I know uh 
shout out MJ Bruce, the whole staff who continue to put out really quality content and keep it locked. Yeah, absolutely. Exciting times. And WBC is going on, so I'll be getting content out from about that too as we get to the quarterfinals and semis and final. So keep it locked. And as as always, you can never have too much pod tar. We'll be back again for another preview very soon.